I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. I'm loving the name Fiona lately. Do you think one of the plastic surgeons can be named Fiona? Yeah, I like Fiona. It takes out all the other uh, names. Yes, we're going to have to figure out now something that sounds good with Fiona. Maybe something short. Joe. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about our new, oh, what the hell approach to picking projects. <laughs> then we've got a craft and fame about the producing part of the art and craft of making TV. And in hits and bombs, we give a sincere thank you and then complain. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> this week's Hollywood Hack is a dry erase board follow-up. But first, Sarah, we have a couple of updates. We talked recently about the word charrette, which I had gotten as a word of the day. And my word of the yes. day, it said it was a meeting to figure out solutions to problems, to come into a meeting and say, we're not leaving until we have these problems solved. And we got some follow-ups about the word charrette. Christine said, I loved hearing about the word charrette on the podcast today. My boyfriend in college was an architecture major, and they used the term en charrette to refer to being down to the wire on a project. It comes from Paris architecture students whose projects were collected on a cart, and some would actually climb on board, putting finishing touches on their models down to the very last possible minute. I love that image. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then our friend Todd, who we went to high school with, we've known him forever. Um, he also texted that he knows Charette from architecture classes. He said, it's a design process term, usually meaning a group critique, like producer and writer peer notes. Given in real time in front of everyone, they are known for being harsh. The focus used to be on what's wrong or off. Maybe today they lead with a compliment or two? <laughs> I hope so. That, maybe that's what we should call note sessions now, charrettes. Let's a get charrette. together for a charrette. For a so productive, I'm, kind charrette. 
Yes, yes. Not <laughs> Hopefully not too harsh. So thank you for that input on the word charrette. Also, everyone, reminder that we're going to be doing a spring listener questions episode soon. Um, so email us with any questions, happierinhollywood at gmail.com, or send us a voice memo. Okay, Liz, it is time for our From the Treadmill Desks of segment where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's, oh, what the hell? Yes. So, Sarah, in the past, you and I have been very, what I would say, goal-oriented and almost disciplined in choosing our development projects. Like, we'll say, do we know, is the studio interested in this? Is there a network actively interested in this project? What are the auspices, meaning, like, who's attached? We would sort of pick everything based on what we thought was a somewhat realistic chance of getting it on the air. Knowing it's still always hard to get something on the air, but Fantasy Island, for instance. Yes, we love Fantasy Island and wanted to do Fantasy Island. We also knew that Fox really wanted to do Fantasy Island and that they were going to order it straight to series, which made it even more appealing to us. Yes. And we're just kind of throwing that out the window. Yes. I think because our business is so wild and evolving and and all the positive ways that it's changing, I'm sure, yes. since we're being positive, Liz, about all of this. <laughs> we're ch- kind of changing our approach to just like, oh, what the hell? Like if we really hear something or talk to someone about something and it's actually interesting to us, whether or not there's a whole, you know, list of reasons to do it, we're like, oh, what the hell? Might as well. Yeah, so right now you and I are in the middle of two big development projects, which obviously we hope will go to series, but in case they don't, we sort of need to have the next thing on deck, right? We're basically in a state now of always looking for new stuff, and it just will sort of take front burner or back burner depending on where we are in whatever process. And so we mentioned that we had met with the executive that we had done the plastic surgery show with, and he really wanted us to redevelop the idea of something in the area of plastic surgery. And you and I just started talking about it, and we came up with this idea that's a bit bonkers, but we both love. (laughs) And we're like, you know what? We told him, we said, let's just, we're going to do a pitch. We'll come up with a pitch. And if it sells, yeah. it sells. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And let's just do what we want to do because you can't game the system. No. And we don't know if there's a network interested. We're just like, this is fun. It's entertaining to talk about. We think it would be a great show. So what the hell? Yes. And we don't want to say it's like just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks because it's not. I mean, we're still professionals. Yeah. We're not going to do <laughs> something that has zero chance. It has to be something that in our minds feels like a show that could go for several seasons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But we kind of got re-energized by thinking about this approach. It's very Thelma and Louise alt-ending, Sarah. It is. It totally goes with our team theme for 2023. I didn't even realize that when we made this decision. I I love it. I know. We're just like in our convertible with our headscarves and our sunglasses just coming up (laughs) with wacky TV shows. Yes. (laughs) Might as well. (laughs) 
Hey, you know, you just don't, the thing is you don't know what's going to work and not work. So why the hell not? We're going to do it. Yeah. And I think that has always been true, but it's extra true now. And it feels like with the potential strike coming up and all of the, I mean, the changes in the business from network to streaming in so many ways, it's just nobody knows. Yeah, There's just no way to predict anymore, it feels like. Yeah. So we'll keep everyone posted on how this goes, obviously. We'll see if we are successful with our new um, attitude or if we want to go back to our old attitude. And I'm sure it'll be a mix of the two, obviously. Yes, and I, I'm hoping the alt-ending part of our our team theme yes. is, <laughs> comes through for us. That's very, very important. Okay, coming up, we're going to talk about color correction. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, it's time for the craft in Fane, in which we talk about the craft of writing because it's an art, but it's also a craft. However, we're expanding our segment to include the craft and art of producing because so much of what we do is producing and it's also a craft and an art. Um, So today, Sarah, we want to talk about color correction. Can you explain, first of all, what color correction is? Many people may never have heard this term. Yes. Okay. I'm going to explain it probably badly because I'm not an expert, but every post-production house has a person who's 
whole job is color correction. And it's basically they go in to whatever project they're working on and they can make changes to the color of the entire shot or just particular changes on a certain spot in a shot. And it's very technical and you have to be very skilled to know how to do it. Uh, like if I sat down at a color correction mm. guy's computer, I would be like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> no idea what to do. Um, but we thought we would talk about it in the way that we interact with color correction <laughs> as producers. Yes. So color correction can have a dramatic impact on the look of a show. So from our point of view, Huge. the tone and color and palette of a show really is 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 part of what you experience as a viewer and how you feel watching the show. For instance, Angel, a show we worked on, had a very dark palette to the point yes. when I would watch it in my really bad TV I had in my, you know, old uh, apartment <laughs> on Tamarind. Yes. I couldn't even <laughs> see half the time what was happening. <laughs> and Fantasy Island has a very bright, beautiful color correction palette. Yes. And every show, if you watch, every show will have its very particular look. And I guarantee when the producer sits down in the color for the color correction meeting, they're going for a very particular thing that is just for that show. Yeah, and the key is to keep it consistent episode to episode because, you know, light can yes. change. Now, you also have the DP, the director of photography, who's also lighting for a consistent look, but some things are just out of one's control, especially if you're shooting outside. If you're shooting on a soundstage, of course, you can have much more control over the look. But outside, you know, it may be cloudy one day, it may be glaring sun one day, and that can just really change how it looks, even within the same scene, especially on Fantasy Island, because the weather yeah. changes so fast. <laughs> In Puerto Rico, half a scene, it could be like dark and stormy, and half could be bright sun, and we have to try to bring those two together. Yes. So when you're doing color correction, you sit down in a basically a theater and there's a huge screen in front of you. And it's like us and the person who actually knows what the hell they're doing with color correction. And <laughs> you go slowly through the episode. They just play the episode. You go, okay, can this be more blue? That's the sky here is blue. Here it gets a little grayer. Can we make the sky pop more? This is specifically Fantasy Island, I should yeah. say. Sometimes you don't want the sky to pop. But we very much focus on that beautiful blue ocean, blue sky, green, green lushness. Yes. Yeah. So we focus on that. So that's the overall thing. But the great thing about color correction is that it can really help with little things too. Like it can help fix a lot of mistakes. Like for example, sometimes we'll have an actor who it's not lipstick, their lips are just too red and it looks like they're wearing lipstick and you're like, oh, that's, we don't really want that. They can tone down that red of the lips. Or on Fantasy Island, we have a lot of actors get sunburned. Like, they'll hang out by the pool yes. <laughs> on their day off and then show up just like bright red. Um, so we do a lot of toning down of sunburns. 
<laughs> and then you can also highlight the positives. So say you yes. have an actor with beautiful blue eyes, you can really make the eyes pop or, you know, their green eyes or whatever it is you want to make pop. Yeah, so it's both an overall look of the show and also very, very small things that you literally literally go shot to shot and you say, can we make his lips less red? And the, the person goes... Yes, and they put this little oval over the person's mouth on the giant screen in front of you, and then suddenly the the red color comes down. I mean, it's the most amazing tool for really presenting the image that you want to present. Now, it doesn't do miracles. Like, we won't, it's not like Photoshop. You can't erase tan lines, for example. Right. Or for instance, you can only pull out what's there. So like if we want a bluer sky, they can only pull out blue that's there. If there's no blue at all, there isn't much they can do. So it's it's a finessing. Now, Sarah, just because this is technical does not mean people don't get very passionate (laughs) and even angry about color correction. You had that experience. I did. We did a pilot It was for the CW, so everyone knows what the kind of CW palette is. It's not supposed to look like, you know, L.A. Confidential or Deadwood, right? It it really needed to be beautiful and pop and have color and whatever. So, and I should say, in the dailies, the footage had that. But then we went into color correction, and I came in to do, like, the final review and say, this is good, this is not good. And I sat down— And it was gray. Like, Mm -hmm. everything was gray, ugly. People looked sick. I mean, like, they had just taken all of the life out of the images in color correction because that's what the DP told them to do. And it was a particularly, I would say, not collaborative process Mm -hmm. on this particular pilot. It, it It was challenging. And so I was like, "This we have to change this. This cannot be like this. And it, the DP threw a fit and yelled and stormed out and never came back. But we changed it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm still grateful to you for handling that situation because, remember, I wasn't there. I don't know why I wasn't there, but I remember talking to you on the phone and you were like, what do I do? It's gray. And you held your uh, line and, you know, it ended up looking beautiful. Yes, but it was tough, but color correction can have that that level of importance. It's really yes. a big deal on, you know, the macro and the micro level. So we figured we'd share a little about color correction today. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Sarah, it's time now for hits and bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And today we want to give a hit to the WGA in general— And specifically, the negotiating committee. Yes. We've talked before about how it's time for the WGA and the AMPTP, which is the producers and studios, to have a conversation about our contract moving forward. And I think it's expected to be particularly challenging this year because of all of the changes that we're seeing. Um, And the people on the negotiating committee 
this year and in every previous year. It's such an incredible commitment. Well, first of all, just the WGA. Like, they're responsible for us having health care and a pension. Yes. And they really focus on the well-being of writers, and we're very grateful for them. But then specifically, the negotiating committee, it's a huge time commitment. Yes, and not only is it a huge time commitment, but it's also incredibly stressful and arduous mentally yeah. because you're having people, it's, it's contentious. Yeah. But you can't show any emotion or yell at anyone. You have to be very professional. So it is such a hard job. And also, I mean, there's so many details and numbers and just understanding the issues is hard. So we are so just grateful to everyone who's out there dealing with this. Also grateful to all of the members of the Writers Guild of America who are showing up to meetings, who are voting when we need to vote. I think the feeling is that we're more unified than we've ever been, even though times are very tough. So we're hopeful that we're going to end up with a good contract, hopefully with no strike. And Sarah, you and I are very glad not to be on the negotiating committee. Yes, we are. But we still give them and the WGA a huge hit. (laughs) Yes, we do. Okay, what is our bomb? So our bomb is a little bit petty, I must say, but we really feel it deeply. Our bomb is to the rain. Oh, Mike, well, it's not petty, first of all, for the people farther north of us for whom, like, lives and, and farms and towns have been totally destroyed. But here, it's just, we're just so tired of the rain at this point. It's never ending. Yes, and we know we are grateful, like, again, on a big picture level because we need rain because we've been in a drought. But when you're used to living in Southern California for 20 years, it really messes with your head to have nonstop rain. Our lives just aren't geared toward it. Like, I was explaining to someone not in L.A., you know, Jack doesn't have a cafeteria at school. They eat outside. Right. So all the kids have to eat in the classroom, and their lockers are outside. I mean, it's just, that's what we are set up for sun. We are not set up for rain. Our roads are getting destroyed. Yeah, they can't Uh, handle it at all. No, Adam had a blowout on, on a tire because we went over this huge pothole that just emerged out of nowhere after one of the rains. I used to really think that I would love living in Seattle. I thought like, oh, it's the perfect melancholy feel and the rain and the lush green of Seattle is just speaks to me. But I have to say, after the last couple of months, I have learned that I would not be a good Seattleite. Like I've been really like depressed kind of just, it makes me feel so... Uh, to just be inside all the time and watching the rain. Like, at first, it's beautiful and wonderful, but after a while, it's wearing. <laughs> yes. Now, the upside, I will say, is how green everything is. It is the most beautiful green that it's been since I lived here, I think. But, um, but I'm ready for Absolutely. some SoCal sun, for sure. Yes. Okay, so, I mean, we're grateful for the rain. We're, we're, just, we're just tired. Tired of it. Okay, coming up, we have this week's Hollywood hack, which comes from a listener, but first, this break. (laughs) 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, this week's Hollywood hack comes from Macy, who had a follow-up to one of our essential tools that we talked about, which was a dry erase board. And, I mean, we use them all the time. So Macy wrote, just listened to your most recent episode and wanted to share a quick dry erase slash permanent marker hack. Rubbing alcohol is the best way to get rid of marker residue that's been left on a whiteboard too long. Also, if someone accidentally uses permanent marker instead of dry erase, rubbing alcohol usually will get rid of it. Best of all, it's only a couple bucks and available at any pharmacy. Macy, I think you just saved my whiteboard. I know. We were talking about how if you leave the marker on too long, it's just really hard to get it off with all the normal tools. And so both of us have all this faded print underneath when we'll write on our board underneath is all this faded print. So I think we both need to take some rubbing alcohol to our dry erase boards and maybe they'll be like new. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, it happens all the time that people accidentally use permanent marker on a dry erase board. Oh my gosh. It's like, I live in fear of that moment. So knowing that there's something to do if it happens is so wonderful. So thank you, Macy. Yes. Thank you, Macy. Okay, Sarah, finally, every week, one of us is going to offer a recommendation of a book or podcast or TV show or movie or just anything that we are loving right now. And this week, well, this I'm I'm recommending, but really it's from both of us. We want to recommend an incredible new book called Finding the Words, Working Through Profound Loss with Hope and Purpose by Colin Campbell. So Sarah Collin and his wife, Gail Lerner, are friends of ours, and their beautiful teenage children, Ruby and Hart, were killed by a drunk driver in June of 2019. And this book is about Colin finding his way through that grief, which obviously the grief will never end. But this book has a lot of really practical ways to deal with grief, And it probably sounds like something you say, I don't want to read that. It's too sad. I can't deal with that. But the way that this book is written, you can handle it. He presents it in a way that you can handle it. And I think for anyone dealing with any sort of grief, this book will be so valuable. Absolutely. And we are going to talk to Colin in a future episode, so it's worth reading the book before that, if it's something that speaks to you. 
And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, the frog outside my bedroom, which was keeping me up like yes. endlessly, is still there, but it moved farther away. Oh, so maybe now it'll be like pleasant white noise instead of like, a big croak in your ear every five seconds. Exactly. I would like last night. I was like, okay, this is all right. This <laughs> could, I can work with this. <laughs> it's that small town living, Sarah. Yep. <laughs> From the Onward Project. <laughs>